I'm Jad Ablenrod. And I'm Robert Crowich. Today, a story. In three parts. Three's good. Three is the trinity. Holy trinity. The holiest trinity, the holiest number. That there ever was. Except for eight, because eight has two holes. Hello creatives, Jay here. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of 99% Perspiration. This podcast is all about advice for emerging creatives. We interview people who are working in the media, in the arts, in the cultural sectors, and what advice they have in store for you. But before I introduce who we've got for you this episode, I've got someone I'd like you to meet. It is lovely to be here. (laughs) (laughs) you know what i just felt like that was the most appropriate thing to say i've listened to enough interviews and radio to know that that's what you say when you're introduced so it is lovely to be here but it's lovely to be here (laughs) i have been waiting for ages for this to actually get in the studio and record with you okay let's cut to the chase before you give me all this wonderful praise i need to jump in and tell the listeners the real story of where 99% came from because it wasn't this awesome thing that it is now to begin with I was just some lowly graduate who did not have a clue how to find a job or even where to start looking and so, this is before you got your role within the the TV industry as a producer oh, this is this is miles before then this, <laughs> this is in a way how I ended up there but basically, I didn't know where to start looking, so I started going around interviewing people in the industry, in the region, to ask them, what do I do? Where do I go next? How do I get started? And those very bad, mucky recordings became 99% perspiration, if you can even call it that now. You can still check them out. They're online on on SoundCloud, aren't they? Hopefully not, because they, <laughs> they were nothing fantastic. But I then had to sort of hand the baton over to Jay. And what I was doing there compared to this brilliantly researched and gorgeously produced podcast that you have. <laughs> Stop it, Mark. <laughs> you know what? it feels very much like i don't know if you if you know this at all but before the beatles used to come out on stage they used to have like a comedian warming them up they didn't used to have like a support act or anything like that to me hey hey there's still a way to go but you will hear episode by episode we're we're changing what we're doing we're rethinking it and we're trying to make it bigger and better than ever today on 99 percent perspiration jazz music for want of a better term, is creativity. It's supposed to be about new challenges. So don't be surprised. Or always be surprised. <laughs> it's, it's paradoxical, is jazz. That's Courtney Pine. He's an internationally renowned jazz musician, but that doesn't mean he hasn't had his own set of hardships along the way. Originally, Courtney was signed to Verve, which is the jazz leg of Universal Music Group in the States. But then something happened, which meant that Courtney needed to go solo. All the big major labels had started to purchase other smaller record labels. And artists like me were just swallowed up in the melange of 
big deals. And Anne Curtis, like Courtney, Anne took that nerve-wracking leap of starting her own company. I've always been an artist, I guess, and done lots of different things. And so I decided to give up my full-time teaching career and go freelance. And we've been winning awards ever since as a small company. Anne Curtis is the founder and creative director of Shoe Fly Publishing. They make, amongst other things, children's books. See, now, I've always been really curious as to how that process happens. Like, I know that there's people out there who write children's books, but how do you get started? Because everybody thinks that they can write a children's book. It's just a couple of sentences long, so it should be easy, right? Yeah, but children's books, same as graphic novels, the bulk of the work, at least as I see it, isn't in those few sentences. Yes, there's a big skill there, but it's in all of the other details that go into a book. The words are one thing, the images are another. Yeah, no, you're spot on actually, because when you actually think about the best children's books, it's it's the images that really sell it to you. Like for me, I used to read a lot of Roald Dahl when I was a kid. Yes, yes. yes. Quentin Blake's illustrations. Oh, yes. For me, that's what the whole book was. I started the company in 2003. And when I go for meetings, interestingly, although I'm a company director, I'm like ignored. 21st century, got a long way to go. talking about music and it's something that I love and it's a passion so it's like it has to be done but I want to be practicing but then I need to be promoting and then I'm, a, I'm, I'm the owner of the company so I would have got used to it, but no. After all this time, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting how this career has panned out. I didn't expect it to be like this. I just wanted to play the saxophone. I just wanted to make music. And then that's opened doors to other things, like going to see the Queen. You don't expect that. So I think with jazz music, the reason why I'm still insane is because I realize that jazz music is supposed to be about new challenges. Jazz music is creativity. the combination of elements, the, 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 the way this planet has evolved is about creativity. Wait, did he just equate evolution to jazz music? Yeah, pretty much. Going rogue, a maverick who's sort of testing out as he goes along. There's, there's a plan, there's a beat, there's like night and day coming along, and then... Here's the lizard. <laughs> Thank you. 
I've always been an artist, I guess, and done lots of different things. But always been interested in narrative, in story. And I worked as an advisory teacher. And rather than going into a career as a head teacher, I decided to uh, continue being involved in project management of artists in schools. And so I decided to give up my full-time teaching career and go freelance. Interactive whiteboards were just coming into the fore. And um, when I saw what they did, I got very excited about that in, in relation to communicating story to children. So I decided that I would set up a company, software company that made content for whiteboards, even though I didn't know anything about software at all, nothing, and didn't know anything about whiteboards. Um, I thought, well, actually, let's do it. So I did. And immediately started winning quite a lot of awards for the uh, content that we created and we've been winning awards ever since as a small company. Shoefly. Yeah. What's Shoefly all about? Shoefly was, I called the company Shoefly because when I first was coming up with the idea of making an animated book for interactive whiteboards, having no knowledge of animation, having no knowledge of software or programming or anything, I thought, well, I'll create a little story that you could, in my head, animate pretty easily. And that little story was called Shoe Fly. Birds can fly, bees can fly, a fly can fly, why can't I? If I can fly over the moon and so on. So it was quite a very simple tale, but was to try and get the animation off the ground. And then I decided that's what I would call the company, Shoe Fly. I describe myself as a very creative human being. I think artist is too limiting. Artist is limiting? Mm-hmm. It almost prohibits you from actually being then able to uh, project manage, be a business person, all of that. If people have a perception of you as an artist as being fluffy-headed, <laughs> a bit like, uh, a bit weird and a bit off the wall and a bit it's as if you can't be an artist and be a very good project manager or a very good business person or do your accounts or whatever you know and I, I think I can do all of those things and I apply my creative ability to every one of those things so I would describe myself as a, a creative human being rather than an artist but in reality though the flip side is mm. an artist needs to be able to do all of these things themselves. Of course they do. So actually, you're very, very capable. Artists have to be. You have to be very self-reliant. You have to be able to adapt to problems of all of those skills that are necessary for life. You have to be able to manage money very well. You have to be able to take risks, live life adventurously. But you'd get very little credit for that, especially in business. There's a lot of things that will try and dissuade you that musicians are ignorant or not scientists or not researchers. But the truth of the matter is we, we do go back as far as we can. And, um, yeah, we can, we, we, we can trace it right back. If we talk about creativity and improvisation, um, we can go right back to the first explosion. I, I go to sort of quite techie things in, in uh, Software City or somewhere like that, and it's all men. It's all men, except for the woman who shows you which room you're in. And you can see 
the surprise and I went because I'd been given a commission as an artist to create a piece of artwork for uh, Sunderland Software City and it's in the boardroom there now and people seem to accept you as a woman artist, female artist but when I was talking to people and said well what do you, you know, what, do you do anything else than the, yes I own a software company and it's like you own a software company, like oh my god you're a woman software no surely not you can see that look on people's faces even with young people and when I go for meetings interestingly although I'm a company director I started the company in 2003 my brother joined about seven years six years ago and whenever we go to meetings and he's there all the conversations directed to him I'm like ignored until I come in and say something which is clearly intelligent and clearly very sharp and it's as if I just it's as if he owns the company he directs the company and I'm there as some sort of PA or assistant you can't really believe it but it's true 21st century got a long way to go this isn't the first time we've explored institutionalised sexism on an episode of 99 regular listeners may remember cast your mind back to episode 9 where we featured Caroline Mitchell, who started a female-only radio station in Bristol called Fem FM, and what you were listening to was almost entirely male. I, I set up with with a group of um, women, actually two hundred women in Bristol, um, a women's radio station. We we really just did it to prove that we could, and that um, every single thing on the station, not not just the presenters, but you know all the programmes, all the management of it, the advertising and. Um, you know, the marketing, uh, the technical side, um, we did ourselves and we did it to say this is possible because we were fed up with people saying oh, women aren't interested in being DJs, we don't, no, they don't apply for these jobs, blah blah blah. Yeah, Caroline's got very strong and I have very strong views on women's rights and all of that but I, I would have not, never joined a woman, a group of women but I'll speak up for women and I'm not afraid, and I'm perfectly happy to do all of that and champion women's rights. And it bothers me, as you can tell by what I've said, that there's so much inequality still. Inequality in perception of the capabilities of women, especially if you maybe look different or dress different, and I've found that as well. You know, not a suit, I don't power dress. Then again, you'll be labelled straight away someone frivolous maybe mentally and I am not a mentally frivolous person. My experiences with Island Records and with the American label Universal I don't just walk in there with sunglasses I talk to everybody you know from the cleaner to the secretary of the CEO to the marketing I talk to guys in the warehouse just to see how this whole machinery works so I kind of been taking notes over the years and kind of realizing that you know in the future I think I'm gonna have to be doing driving this lorry myself I don't know if I'm doing a good job I'm just but I'm just doing the best that I can from the lessons that I've learned from these guys and and Island Records is a great label Chris Blackwell did an amazing job with that label presenting um, black music and I, I, I couldn't think of a better place to learn from I started off in probably 78 when I was like 14 
Oh, man, that was, it seems like a millennium ago. But after all these years, you still find playing sax like one of the best things ever. It's unbelievable. Um, I started off as a um, playing recorder and then clarinet. And now I'm playing bass clarinet now as my main instrument. Saxophone I find a lot easier to, to perform on, to, to play, but the bass clarinet is the one that's pulling at my heartstrings right now. Every day I play it, there's something new. You know, it's just, um, it's not boring. It's still not boring. Back in the 80s when you started to play an instrument, in this country you, the, the, the deal was that you become a, a great session man and you play other people's music, but I wanted to do something else. I wanted to play my own music. So um, I did a couple of things which was out of the box and they kind of worked. And I thought, well, this is the way to go. Don't play jazz that everybody else is playing. Everybody wanted to play fusion and smooth jazz. And I decided that I wanted to play straight ahead jazz. That um, gained interest for certain people. I, I, I really genuinely wanted to play that sound. And um, I signed a record deal to the one that was not expected, Island Records, who have a history of supporting the Caribbean through Bob Marley um, and others, for example, like Ernest Wrangling. And um, we had a, uh, a couple of years and my product was released and presented as popular music, which in terms of jazz was never kind of done given the opportunity that jazz music could be um, seen alongside the likes of George Michael and Madonna. It's not about what clothes you wear, it really is about how much you've practiced and researched. I continued with that deal for a while, and um, the deal kind of ran out of time. It, it, I signed, I think it was for five years, and the time had gone. And I thought, great, I'm the biggest selling jazz artist in the United Kingdom at that time. I'll just roll into another deal. No, nobody wanted to sign me. Nobody, there were no offers. Nothing happened for about three years. For a small business, we have to compete against universities who get funding from Europe for research. Universities, say, can develop a piece of software which they've been funded to develop, they then can give that software free because it's cost them nothing. So they can then put that out into the marketplace, which then can generate them more funding from Europe or other research institutions. On the outside of that is someone like Shoefly, who if we develop anything has to be our own money, my money invested in the company. Therefore, we have to sell our products and we can't sell them in a skewed marketplace where everything's given free. So universities are actually uh, stifling the growth of small companies and therefore employment of their own students who they're educating. That's the snake eating its own tail. We have employed or we pay freelance contracts to animators, designers, musicians. We've contributed over 10 years more than £750,000 in the creative economy. That's not measured in jobs. We don't get any European funding. We don't get any support. 
and we are actually competing against universities that can have free money. And so small companies like Shoefly can no longer create their own resource, their own products we just develop for others now. We can't make products free. How can we then offer jobs to graduates leaving universities when the universities are stifling growth within the industry? What had happened was Universal had bought out Island Records, Polygram, Polydor. So all the big major labels had started to purchase other smaller record labels. And um, artists like me were just swallowed up in the melange of big deals. And uh, they turned around and said to me, we won't be able to put a record out for two years. So what would you like to do? So I said, well, I'll set up my own label. I've gained enough experience now, and I have uh, a little cash put aside through the deal that we've done. I'll just go my own way, build up my own studio, and um, just do my own thing. And they understood because they couldn't wait for two years because they were going through their financial thing. So I went off and set up a label in 2004, Creative People Music Group. I've been doing it ever since. And the reason I set up that label really was to make sure that I had an output of um, my, my music and also to try and get some of the artists that I knew, some of the musicians that I knew, to release their own material on the label. It's kind of like a, a giant and ant situation where these big companies don't understand or see artists who are representing jazz in their cultural way. So artists like uh, the Cuban violinist Omar Puente or the Dominican guitarist Cameron Pierre, who wouldn't be signed to major labels, um, another band, Empirical, um, they got their opportunity to release their music for my label. And, and that's what I'm hoping to continue with the label, not only release my music, uh, but also release and present new, fresh talent. I can't sit here and say I make... Uh, proggy mats or I'm a tapestry weaver or um, I'm a writer or, or I'm a filmmaker I actually can turn my hand to lots of things and do whenever the opportunity arises and I like it like that I, I, I used to worry about it I used to think I haven't got a burning ambition to be a painter but I can paint I, got, I can tapestry weave I can do actually anything and I found that over the years that I can. Whatever, whatever I'm asked to do, I can do it. And why did you worry about that? Because I saw people, uh, colleagues, who became renowned for their skill as a tapestry maker or as a jeweller or as a textile embroiderer or something like that. And I never focused on one thing long enough to reach that pinnacle. And um, and I was really thought, oh, well, maybe I will be a great painter or maybe I will be a great something or other. But actually, what I now understand about me is that I am who I am and I like working in lots of different media and learning all the time about that. And that's just what I do. Was it ever challenging to use the phrase... Um 
Anne of all trades? I used to call myself jack of all trades and master of none. But some people have said, well, you're a master of a lot of things. I tend to just say, well, I make. The tracks you've been listening to throughout the podcast are from Courtney's latest album called The Ballad Book. Well, the album kind of started off as a love album, you know, as, as this kind of love songs, you know, it could have been called that. But then once you've got that in mind where you're researching or listening to the news or hearing what people say, there are stories that um, are prevalent that influence or shape the sound of a record. And there was one incident, because it was recorded in November 2015, there's a guy who, in America, who turned around and put his hands up, and was on his knees, and he'd given up. And the police officer just shot him nine times in the back of, you know, in the back. And I was so shocked by that. So that changed the, the flow of the recording. So a lot of the, the kind of the love kind of record tracks were, were deleted. And uh, I decided to play things like Someday We Will Be All Be Free and Amazing Grace. So that changed the kind of direction of the project. Every time I read like a story from in the States, like all these stories of police brutality and everything like that, it's... It's like another one, again, again, this keeps happening, it keeps happening. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a violent place, you know, and jazz music has come out of that experience. A lot of us who are not American find it hard to understand what that place is all about. But the music called jazz is such a, a reflection of our human spirit. It's, I don't think there's any other music on the planet that reflects the human soul as much as jazz. But jazz music is a music that dies from Tokyo can play and not only sound like Jap- they're Japanese, they can also speak in the language that the Americans speak in, you know, and um, guys from Cape Town as well. You, this music is incredible. The American experience, though, is, is such an amazing um, encyclopedia, and uh, we need to tell people about it. That's why we play. problems that we solve aren't artistic problems. I solve them creatively. I've always been able to think imaginatively about a problem and I found that to be a really useful thing and I still do it now in lots and lots of different ways. You have been listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of 99% Perspiration. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm Jay Sykes. I'm Mark Stewart-Bell. If you found this advice helpful, we want to hear from you. Please get in touch. 
and send us your love in the form of cash dollars. Cash dollars, coffee, hugs. <laughs> I accept hugs. Or even better than a hug, and I do do love my hugs. Leave us a review on iTunes. They mean the world to us. I can't stress that enough. Give us a couple of stars. Give us five stars. Give us give us five stars. Please. Yay! If you want to get in touch with us, we are at 99podcast on Twitter. And we've got a website, 99podcast.com, where there's tons of extra articles and all kinds of other content that you can get for free. And come join us on the Facebook group. There's so many people just like you looking for collaborators, sharing ideas. And this week we're starting something very special indeed. Oh, I'm excited. I have no idea what that is. For the first time on 99% Perspiration Podcast, we want you, the listeners, to get in touch. Ask questions which you want somebody from the industry to answer. Okay, I get it. So Mark's come back on board with the podcast and suddenly he thinks he can tell us what to do and bring in these new ideas without letting me know about it. But if you could pick up the phone and you could speak to somebody in the industry that you want to be in and ask them one question, what would that be? Send us that question, we'll track them down and get that answered for you. Thanks to Jed Stoker on the music design as usual. Thanks to Courtney Pine and Anne Curtis, our two guests this week. Thank you to Mark for coming back, you absolute babe. Oh man, is that and the time? until next time. Hi, this is Courtney Pine. Stay productive, stay awesome. Stay productive, stay awesome. Get back to playing. I'm um, yes, exactly. I'm going back, <laughs> back in the shed. <laughs>